Welcome to Dithering Preview. Dithering is a paid podcast hosted by me, Ben Thompson, and my good friend, John Gruber. Hey, John. That's me. Uh, Dithering Preview collects excerpts from all of our paid podcasts from the previous month so you can get a taste of what you're missing out on. You, uh, you should take a listen if you like it. You can go to dithering.fm, pay $5 a month, and get three episodes a week, 15 minutes an episode. Not a Not a minute less, not a minute more. There you go. In other words, you listen to these clips, you think, I would like to hear more of these clips, then you should subscribe to Dithering. That's right. It's as easy as it can be. You go there, you can add the podcast right to your existing podcast player, no special app, nothing else. And yeah, we think you'll like it. February 1st, Apple Report Card. My description of it is the best moment in Mac hardware history. The only thing I could compare it to would be the original Mac in 1984. Right which was hardware severely hardware constrained it it was it, it cpu aside it was ram starved it used 800 kilobyte floppy disks <laughs> i mean not even the high density floppy disks yeah i thought of that too the 1984 one the only other one that i could think of though was i think we forget what a huge leap the intel max were especially for laptops because the laptops remember were stuck on the g4 they weren't even on the g5 and I, you almost got an equivalent leap in performance and battery life that you're actually, I, I might be even more than what you're getting today with the M1 Max, but it felt different because it was just catching up to everyone else as opposed to right. being sort of a leap ahead. Well, and, and, and that is the ultimate story of the entire 2006 till two months ago. Mac era was okay. Mac hardware will be as good as everybody else. And no better, you know, as no worse, no better. And it was a leap. It was terrific for the Mac platform. But I I can't say it was a great moment for the Mac because it was like it was sort of like throwing in a towel. Like the whole point is to be better. It was admitting how bad the moments previously had been. Right. February 3rd, Jeff Bezos. The Fire Phone is arguably the single worst device I've ever used in my life. It was awful. It was bad. It, and they came out with this huge sort of like this presentation and like basically like he, he had like dreams of grandeur, right? Like, oh, we were going to like take on Apple and we're going to have the, the, our sort of own product. And it was super expensive and all this weird technology that didn't actually have any application in real life. Just a complete and utter flop. And they had to write it off to the tunes of hundreds of millions of dollars. The reason why that's admirable to me is, number one, they wrote it off within like within like 90 days, right? <laughs> like they looked the failure in the eye. They didn't come out with a fi- fire phone too. They're like, yeah, that was a terrible idea. And then like two weeks after they took that write off, they announced Alexa and the echo speaker. Yep. And it was a brilliant product that again was way ahead of everyone else and came from a place of not having a phone of the fact that they weren't, they weren't stuck in a phone mindset that everything's going to be done via the phone. And the, the, one, they had the organization that could think in multiple different ways. Number two, they weren't cowed by failure. Like the fact that they're, they just launched a hardware product that utterly flopped didn't stop them from going for the next one. And, and, and like there's a sort of agility of thinking and purpose, not just for Bezos himself, but sort of in Amazon, the organization that is so impressive and I think is characteristic of the way the company has, has operated throughout his tenure. February 5th, Facebook, Apple, and hypocrisy. I think the one aspect of Apple that people underestimate tremendously, because it's people think everybody understands money and everybody sees that Apple has 
you know, literally makes the most profit of anybody, any company in the world for now. And think that that's always the highest priority is whatever makes you money. But I think one thing people misunderstand with Apple is how much they value control to the, yep. to a higher extent than money. And it, in that they see the way that they prefer to make money is stemming from control. And that's what I saw in this interview with, with Sufert with you is him laying out the case that this was about Apple perceiving that they've lost control over app distribution, that the app store became over the last maybe five, six years less, less important than it was in like maybe the early golden years, like the true, wow, this is a new thing and it's a sensation that's gone mass market, maybe like 2011 to 2014, sort of. The problem for that, if you think about it, if you're an app maker, it's not reliable, right? You can't build your business plan around if Apple promotes us, then our business plan will work. You need a way to like systematically and predictably acquire users, which is where Facebook sort of came in. And Facebook over time has gotten better and better and better at this. February 8th, Apple TV Arcade. You have to choose at some point. Are you going to be sort of Apple TV the service or Apple TV the hardware box? And this also makes sense as far as the weird naming, right? Why would why do they call it the same thing? Well, because they're actually only going to have one. They're just in this weird transition where Apple TV used to mean box and now it means service. And to your point, if they make a box, the answer is to go up market, right. to make it way more powerful, to make it bigger, have it more thermal envelope, and yes, to include a controller. And at that point, maybe the box ends up being called Apple TV Arcade, right? Arcade right. in a box or something right. along those lines. I think that that is what would make more sense from a hardware perspective because right now it's stuck in the middle. It's Ooh. not. It's it's way too expensive and it's not powerful enough. Ooh, I like that. Call the box Apple Arcade. I like that. Ooh, that's oh yeah, yeah. Drop the TV. Yeah, yeah. Right. That it, it has the Apple TV service. And by the way, it'll have Netflix and I have all the other services, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's always dangerous, and no matter what business you're in, it's always dangerous if you don't have a clear concept in your mind as to who your competition is. And to me, that's that's the core problem with the Apple TV hardware is who who are they competing against? February tenth, Google's tracking conundrum. On iOS, Google is absolutely in the same boat as Facebook, where they have all these analytics packages and ad packages, et cetera, that feed back into their ad, their ad engine. And, and basically, the, 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 by and large, the model works the same way that, that Facebook does. And if anything, it's actually a huge growth opportunity for Google because they've had less of a presence in sort of app install ads. And a big part of YouTube's growth in particular has been the sort of direct response app install sort of ads that are really sort of mimicking Facebook strategy. So they're in the same boat as Facebook on iOS. Android, though, is a completely different kettle of fish because in that case, Google is Apple, meaning that because they control the operating system, they kind of have access to everything and they could build whatever sort of capabilities or tracking they want into the operating system itself. And actually, would love to kneecap Facebook because then they would their offering would be far superior to Facebook's. So to my mind, their hesitancy is not because they're worried about hurting their business. Their hesitancy is that this would be hilariously anti-competitive. Like we are going to make Facebook's ads way worse than our ads by virtue of controlling Android. Like that's just not going to fly right now. And I think that's why they're kind of stuck in the middle. Hmm. I just see it as uh 
it, it, it just feels like put your thumb, you know, lick your thumb, put it in a, and see which way the wind's blowing. And this privacy stuff is gaining traction. February 15th, misinformation and the WHO. It's funny, like people are going to think you're joking, but literally their evidence is the lab told us it didn't happen. So therefore right. it didn't happen. Right. And China and then China's turn was, yes, we agree. And we think it might have come from frozen food from out of China. <laughs> yeah, but we definitely agreed. Yes, it didn't happen. And that's the expert. And so there's a, there's a site called Unheard. Uh, uh, and there's a, a respected journalist who wrote a story. Basically, he, the headline is the Who's COVID shame and, and his name's Ian Burrell. And basically, he's he's calling this out and in exquisite detail with sources and just saying this is ridiculous that the WHO is saying we shouldn't investigate the lab theory because China says it didn't happen. They post the article and then Facebook censored the article with one of those uh, flags. They put a thing up and said false information. This post repeats information about COVID-19 that independent fact checkers say is false. Well, F Facebook's stated independent fact checkers for COVID-19 information are like the CDC and the WHO. Yep. And it was via the USA Today, which cited the WHO. So basically, right. you know, so the WHO was a fact, WHO, which I think it's fair to wonder what extent influence China has on them, right. has basically censored an article on Facebook that is questioning the Chinese government. And questioning the WHO. So article that questions the WHO's feasance to China is disputed by the WHO. February 17th, Clubhouse. It, yeah. It's just a really compelling format. Yeah, but it's a feature. Um, and maybe that, so that to me would be the downside for Clubhouse. If, if this sort of thing becomes a, just a feature and Clubhouse is one. But I think the idea, but this feature is clearly a thing, you know? It, it is definitely a thing. I think what makes it more compelling than than live streaming, because I, I, that is the sort of like sort of bear case in that, oh, wait, there's definitely something there, but it's not going to necessarily be a company sort of thing, is live streaming, you have to pay attention. And this yep. can be a thing, right? Oh, yeah. In China, it's a thing. But it's just the problem with there, there's a lot of competition there. You're competing with TikTok, you're competing with Facebook, you're competing with Netflix, you're competing with gaming, you're competing with everything else that you want to look at a phone to do. Whereas Clubhouse is competing with podcasts and music, right? That's right. It's like we have stuff to do when we're not paying attention. But it, you think about it, relatively speaking, there's not that much competition. And it's, to my mind, is so clearly differentiated from those two things. The idea of why is radio like still something that's popular? Sometimes you don't want to like go and like, focus on a podcast or like choose something to listen to. You just want something on in the background. And I think that's like, there's something very compelling about that. And it's actually a place where live makes sense. Live is a benefit. February 19th, Facebook in Australia. Masnick points to a tweet from David Cicilline, who's the Democrat who's on the head of the antitrust judiciary committee. He headed up that hearing in July where all the, the CEOs of the top four companies testified and his tweet was in response to facebook saying that they're just not gonna they're not gonna post news in australia and not let anybody anywhere in the world post links to australian news sources and his response was if it's not this is a quote from his tweet if it is not already clear facebook is not compatible with democracy well so far so good <laughs> threatening to bring an entire country to its knees to agree to facebook's terms is the ultimate admission of monopoly power it, it, that's just a preposterous tweet. It's not Facebook's terms. It's Australia. 
they're they're the ones who wrote the law. The reason Cicilline being so interesting is it comes back to that moment in the hearing where Jeff Bezos had to sort of take a moment and say, do I need to explain how negotiation works? Yep. Because yep. this is negotiation. The, the law says we're going to charge you just a link, just to make a just somebody post a link to Rupert Murdoch's newspaper in Australia. And Facebook not only sends the traffic from the link, which is a valuable resource, and you would think that's what they want, and they have to pay for the privilege of doing it. And so Facebook is like, okay, we just won't play, which is actually reasonable. It's not, it's not spiteful. It is that's that's how negotiation works. February 22nd, Clubhouse and Contacts. It's interesting, like the phone number, you mentioned you a couple, last show or a couple of shows ago, how the word phone has sort of transformed. It used to mean like a thing that you talked on. Now it's a like a portable computer in your pocket and, and you're fine. That's okay with it. What's interesting is the phone number is kind of like become like the social security number of the web. Where we had this, we have this number in the U.S. because we are, you know, we we care about our civil liberties and privacy. We're never gonna have a national ID card, <laughs> and so instead we use this horribly mispurposed number that was supposed to be for retirement benefits for basically everything, and that's kind of what has happened on the web, where our phone, your phone number is sort of your ID number on the web. And it's interesting because there's lots of forces pushing pushing to that. So on one hand, there's the fact that people want to be, make sure it's a real person. That's not a bot. That's not sort of like, you know, some inauthentic behavior. And so having it be an actual phone number and someone has to respond to a text message or click on something, you know, at least interferes in the process a little bit. But the other thing is because of privacy crackdowns, like you, it, uh, you can't like Facebook is you, you can't share your social graph anymore. People get very upset about that or Twitter sharing their social graph. And part of that is self-interest. They didn't want to share it like Twitter, you know, cut off Meerkat like we talked about last week. But also there's like more and more laws against doing that, which means you're left with phone numbers. It's kind of like the lowest common denominator. February 24th, Spotify stream on. The interesting thing about sharing a podcast at a mark, that's always the challenge with podcasts is like, how do you share them? How do you like make people aware of something? I think, you know, overcast, you can share clips, which we use for dithering and, and, uh, you use very heavily, but that's always the challenge with podcasts. And I think is the real, the reason why it, it, it's still a space where there is room for innovation because there is no, you know, there is a discovery problem and podcasts are great for folks like us that have built an audience. And this is a way to sort of convert that audience and monetize it. But how do you get people into new stuff? And I think that's, you know, to the extent Spotify is successful with their advertising, I think is also a sign of how they might be successful with sort of promotion. And, and because yeah. you think about Facebook, the whole newsfeed algorithmically showing you stuff you're interested in is the same problem as showing you ads that you're interested in. And it's sort of like the same problem. If they can solve it on one side, they can, they might be able to solve it on the other. February 26th, Twitter super follows. But I love the idea. I mean, I know we just talked about it a few weeks ago, but this sort of, uh, this whole direction of, monetization to me is something Twitter should have explored years ago, but the next best time to do it as always is now. So good that they're doing it. But I also think it really fits with the sort of souring of ads and tracking is the only way to monetize something like Twitter, right? And it's just, it was never a great fit for Twitter. 
you know, because yeah, well, so I, I have a hot take about this that I, I've, I can't remember if I said it on dithering before uh, or if I've ever, I might have written it in a daily update. But uh, Casey Newton wrote a piece this week about how, wow, it turns out that social networking is actually very competitive, right? Because we have like this clubhouse thing. There's this new camera app that's that's getting buzzed. And like TikTok is obviously a big thing. And my take is that we all overreacted to Facebook being dominant because we thought, oh, who can compete with them? And the reality is that Twitter was just so terrible at it <laughs> that we... We assumed that the market was bad. And actually, no, Twitter was just very bad at monetizing. And and that was the real problem. A lot of clubhouse. <laughs> a lot of clubhouse. That was that was the month of clubhouse, to, to, to say the least. <laughs> I'm worried that you're addicted to clubhouse, Ben. You're on it a lot. Well, you know, it's it's uh, research. Research, because I might write about it, John. That's the way, that's what I tell myself. <laughs> it's funny, because there's a bunch of people who I know who I think are very good at podcasts, and some of them have been s- skeptical, it seemingly, and now I see them on Clubhouse all the time, and it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's the part people miss about Clubhouse, is people get so hung up on the listening part, but it's so easy to start talking like that like that's that's mm. the key like it's all about the ease of creation and, and it's just a completely different thing than than a podcast and it's only a matter of time till they have like export this as podcast is like built in right and that's what it's gonna you know they'll be cooking with gas as it were it's like so much of technology going back forever probably even before the computing personal computing era but it's so easy when you understand how to do something a more complicated way to say yeah sure it's easier but and then just totally ignore the fact that no, 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 making it easier is game changing. Yeah, in classic sense, we have now taken our preview <laughs> podcast or making it to a real podcast about Clubhouse. <laughs> but that's the kind of month it was. Anyhow, you go to dithering.fm. You can subscribe. Uh, you can get multiple episodes about Clubhouse and about things like Jeff Bezos retiring, Apple TV, tracking, as always, as always a, a topic of interest, Facebook in Australia. Go to dithering.fm, $5 a month. Three episodes a week, not a minute, oh, 15 minutes an episode. I almost did it. I quickly like get it out. Not a minute less, not a minute more. <laughs> Free album art every month. That's right.